0: This is the Two-Tone Uncensored Podcast. Hosts Matt McCrone, Brian Moreland, and Glenn Lotzenheiser talk everything Tennessee Titans. This show is made for the
1: fans of bleed two-tone blue.
0: To two tone uncensored. You're listening to Two Tone Uncensored, the best damn Titans podcast there is. I'm your host Ryan Morland. With me, as always, Matt Nacrone, who just made it through the TTU cuts. Here, how you doing, Matt?
1: Motherfucker, well, I make the cuts.
0: <laughs> All right. Also joining me and back. We thought we were gonna have to put him on IR, but he's back. And that's Glenn Lotzenheiser. How you doing, Glenn? Never let it be said that I won't
2: play hurt. You know, g- g- give me a shot and I'll be all right, whether it's yeah. uh, alcohol or an actual needle, whatever it is, you know, is. I'll, I'll get out there.
1: They're saving that extra practice squad spot for you.
2: I know they are. They, they, they told me. I just got to free up some time to go out there.
1: <laughs> you might
2: want to yes. do that.
0: Yeah, you got to work around Glenn's <laughs> schedule. <laughs> it, it's on my list,
2: you know. I, I told him I'd be there by the third week.
0: <laughs> there you Fair go. enough. Alright, uh, before we jump into everything, a couple things we want to touch on. First uh, is the GoFundMe, we're still running, um, and I'll let Matt talk about this because he has a bigger hand in it than I do, so Matt, take it away.
1: Yeah, just, uh, I mean, we already touched on it, if you're a listener to the podcast or a member of the group, you probably already know about it, but basically we, we've we had several donations, more than several donations, uh, we're not quite where we want to be, but we've definitely made a lot of progress, so I encourage everybody, if you haven't already, Whatever you can, five, ten bucks, whatever it may be. If you can help a family out who's who's struggling right now, they're going through a lot of stuff. They they have this FEMA program, which I'm not real familiar with, but basically from what I've been told, you kind of have to jump through hoops, and it's just a, a big ordeal that nobody should have to go through. And speaking of hurricanes, this Irma thing's coming up now, where I may be close to the same situation if if everything is uh, predicted the way it should be, but. Regardless of that, that's all over the page. Uh, if anyone wants to do that and can't find the link, contact me. I uh, have it you know, stashed away. It's, it's all over the place pretty much, but you can find it anywhere. But, uh, yeah, please go out there and, and help them out.
0: And we'll put it back up on our Facebook and Twitter after we release this episode. So if you're listening to this, you'll be able to find it pretty easily. Help a young family get back up on their feet after they lost everything.
1: Oh, and I guess I'll add this part, uh because there's really nothing for them in the Houston area, their goal is to get a U-Haul with whatever they have left and actually relocate to Nashville. So that would be awesome if we could help make that happen.
2: Oh a Family of Titans fans moved to Nashville. That's about as good of a cause as you're gonna get.
0: Yeah, I didn't know that part and that's really awesome. So you know, I hope everything works out for them. Everybody if you have, you know, five, ten bucks, chip it in to help out goes for a really good cause here. Um,
2: so my question to you, Matt is, are
1: you hoping Irma hits so that you can move to Nashville? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, if I do move, it's, it's either going to be back where I came from or to Nashville. That's for damn sure. But hopefully Irma stays the fuck away because ain't nobody got time for that. Nobody.
0: All right, let's move on to the next thing here, guys. Next thing, the Titans have announced 13 captains, uh, 16 captains for the season. Going into this season. So we have uh, Marcus Mariota, which I think is a pretty obvious one. Delaney Walker, Brian Arakpo, Jarrell Casey, Wesley Woodyard, uh, and then Tim Shaw. And if you're not familiar with Tim Shaw, you definitely should be battling through ALS right now. Former Titan and, you know, Titan for life. Uh, so I thought it was, it was really awesome that they brought Shaw into yeah. this group. And, and I think for you know, all intents and purposes, a really great group they picked.
1: Yeah, uh, and if if you don't know who he is, he was also special teams captain for a few years that he was on the team. Um, I've I've known him ever since college. He used to play at Penn State back when uh, I was linebacker. You along with Connor, what was his name, Dan Connor, who played for the Panthers. They were together. They were actually pretty uh, pretty fierce back in the day. But cool for the Titans to do something like that. Absolutely,
2: no, it's a good group, good representation of the team, both the players and obviously. Ex-players, it, it's a squad that I think the fans can get behind. and uh, They should provide a lot of quality
0: leadership. Some news, not huge news, but definitely newsworthy. Titans trade for former chief defensive lineman David King. Uh, they're give, giving them a conditional seventh-round pick in order to get King, uh, which looks like he'll be um, some useful depth for us at the defensive line. What do you guys think about this trade?
2: I don't think just a whole lot of it because he hasn't done anything in the NFL – He's actually from my neck of the woods so I've seen I saw him play in college. He hasn't done you know, much of anything in the NFL, so I don't know what exactly they're getting out of it, but obviously they, they see something. they see something that they like. We've been complaining for years that Jaro Casey needs some help on the defensive line. and unfortunately Austin Johnson hasn't provided it. We don't know Sylvester will Daquan Jones is nothing special either. So adding another unknown element who has some versatility to him. He can't hurt the process any.
1: Yeah, I was actually a fan of keeping Angelo Blackson. I don't know anything about David King, but hopefully he is something that we can build off of from a depth standpoint. Obviously, he's not – well, I don't even know. He he probably won't overtake any starter position by any means, but uh, hopefully he can be in the rotation and contribute.
0: No, you're not going to trade a conditional seventh-round pick for starter quality. I know – J-Rob's put some great uh, trades together, but that would definitely be surprising. I, you know, that's the thing, is, as is Matt brings up. He's, he's going to get compared to Blackson. Is it a better pickup than Blackson would have been? In my opinion, I don't think so. But you're going to pay him next to nothing. You didn't have to give up much in order to give him or get him. So, you know, risk-reward, it's very low risk. And we'll see if it does pay off for us.
2: You know, I'm not sure that he isn't a better piece than Blackson because he's more versatile, uh, both for size and position, you know, flexibility. He can play all the way across the defensive line, whereas Blackson was just a very limited player in my opinion. So I don't think he's worse for sure.
0: You know what, Glenn? Fuck David King. We got more pressing stuff. Let's move on to our guest here. We are very excited now to bring on with us a very good friend of the show and Titans insider, Greg Arias. Greg, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Well, thanks very
3: much for the invitation, guys, and always a pleasure to be with you and talk a little Titans, and things are uh, starting to get serious about this point. Yes, sir.
0: Absolutely. We have a lot of stuff to cover, uh, Greg, so let's jump right into it. Tajay Sharp obviously moved to the IR. That's been big news this weekend. Is his injury really something that's that serious, or is it because he was going to have a decreased role in the team and the issues he had over the summer. So they're kind of taking him off the field and trying to use him almost as practice squad here.
3: I actually think it's a little bit of both. I think the injury might be a little bit more serious than what was initially thought. You know, you look back at Kevin Dodd, he had a very similar injury. Uh, He went on the IR after, I think, nine weeks last year and uh, missed the rest of the season and still really not back to 100%. He says he is, but I'm not totally convinced of that based on his performance during the preseason. That remains to be seen, I guess. But I think Sharp, very similar in that. Uh, So they're erring on the side of caution, so maybe a little bit more serious than uh, first thought. But, again, I think you can also say that the off-field issues and the fact that he missed the majority of training camp – and didn't get the reps and was probably going to be displaced in the order with the receiving group. It made sense to do what they did, get him the year, get him the surgery that he needs, get him fixed up, and uh, keep him on the roster so that they did not have to cut him. Very similar to now, kind of what they've done with Harry Douglas here in the last uh, 24 to 48 hours with him. So a couple of moves there to the injured reserve list that are designed in some ways to help with the roster.
0: Greg, do you think Alex Tanney's in that same boat? Um, Yes, I do. I don't
3: know that his injury is as as severe. I think the situation with Tanney is as much about keeping him on the roster because he was out of practice squad options. The only two things they could do were keep him on the 53 or release him. And, of course, this was the other option that was available put him on IR, you keep him for the year, and then perhaps next year if you feel like he has developed enough to boot Matt Castle out of that number two spot, and then Castle is gone and Taney moves in as the backup behind Marcus Mariota. So it's more so about keeping him than it was perhaps Tajay Sharp. There was some legitimacy to the injury of Sharp. I don't know about Taney's injury. I'm not saying the guy is not injured, but I think it was more about a roster uh, move with him certainly than it was Sharp. You know, the there's
2: three three IR spots getting taken up here real quick, and it it puts you in a position of not having that available later on in the season. So it's kind of a gamble to use your IR spots up this fast. Um, one of the things that concerns me though is you know Tanny had a pretty poor preseason, so putting him on uh, injured reserve to retain his takes him away from the ability. If you're on IR, I believe you can't practice. So he can't That's develop. Correct. Yeah, he can't practice. He can't get any better than what he already showed us. And at his age, he's not there, there's not much of a ceiling there anyway. I mean, he's, I believe, 29. So it's not like he's going to make a big leap in the next year or two anyway. But now he, he's out of that practice squad role, which is why they, they moved uh, the other quarterback there. Uh, we've got two receivers and a quarterback quarterback. None of who were going to be, you know, key players this year anyway, most likely. But the the, the quarterback, but like you just explained, it's just kind of keeping him around uh, sharp. You know, I put, I took it more as a, a timeout situation, but as you said, that injury it tends to linger. Now Harry Douglas to me seems like just a way to get Weems back on the roster for a little while, uh, just until we get our kick return situation solidified, because Weems isn't much of a receiver, and Harry is certainly a better receiver than Weems. Um, so do it, it, you, you get that same feeling that this is more about getting Weems back there to return kicks for a little while longer until the other guys prove that they can handle it?
3: No, not necessarily because Harry is actually, in fact, injured. He was going to make this roster and, and be part of the team this year, uh, so this was a move that kind of worked out because he was injured. Go ahead and put him on the IR designated to return. He can come back after nine weeks. Uh, That should hopefully be enough time for him. And, again, I don't know the severity of what's going on with the knee. I know that Harry has uh, said that, you know, he's having some issues with it, and he's always been a guy that's been very uh, straightforward with the media and says what he thinks. And and you don't have to worry about when Harry says it. It's coming from, uh, you know, from the heart, so to speak, with him. So I I think the injury with him is legit, and he's just going to have to take the time to – heal up, and get back. Now, uh, you can make the case that he might not have been an active player on game days. You know, the the only uh, 45 guys are active on game day, and certainly Harry could have been one of the ones that were inactive. But um, it it just works out in a lot of ways to do this for the team and get Weems back, as you said, until they can solidify what's going on with the kick return situation. I think Adoree Jackson can handle it. But I think it's also nice to have a veteran back there uh, behind him that if something happens and he were to struggle, that you've got another option and you're not stuck with a rookie and you perhaps ruin his confidence by what you're doing if if he does struggle in the role. Because obviously it's a big step up even for an athletic, fast guy like he is when you go from college to the NFL.
1: Greg, I got some disturbing notification uh, this morning. The team has announced that they brought back Brian Schwenke. Now, what am I missing here? We just released him this offseason. He couldn't make it on the Colts, which is obviously a struggling struggling offensive line in their own right. And, I mean, he couldn't make it on our team when we were struggling offensive line. So what do you think was behind the thinking of bringing him back?
3: Well, first – as a person, I love Brian Schwenke. He is a really solid guy, a good locker room guy. And I think that, uh, John Robinson and Mike Malarkey feel like he's perhaps an upgrade, even though he may not be the guy that they thought he was going to be when he was drafted by the Titans. He is an upgrade in their mind over Tim Lolito, who they released because of, uh, the re-signing of Brian. So, uh, Anything that they're doing, guys, I can tell you 100% they feel like it's something that's going to be an upgrade for this team uh, moving forward. Now, we can debate if that's actually true on the merits of things, but in their eyes, it was an upgrade.
0: Trey McBride was released right before Sharp went on IR. Do you think that they knew that that's where Sharp was heading when this move happened, or do you think they possibly didn't know that and there was a little bit of regret after the release?
3: Oh, I think there's some regret after the release because Trey McBride was the guy they wanted back on the practice squad. He had some practice squad availability left, and they were hoping he would get through and they could sign him. Of course, you know, the Bears got a first hand look at him here just over a week ago, I guess now, and uh, had the opportunity to see him play in person. And so when he was out there, they scooped him up because they're in desperate need of some receiving help. And he can certainly provide that. So it's a great opportunity. I'm happy for Trey. Who's a nice young man to get the opportunity to get on a roster and be able to contribute. But yeah, I think this was something The Harry Douglas move was something that came about as, because certainly if they had the opportunity, they would have probably uh, made the move differently and gotten Trey back rather than Eric Weems because uh, even though Trey hasn't done it a lot with the Titans or in the NFL, he does have return ability. So he could have given you something there along with being a better receiver, I think, than what Eric Weems can provide for the offense. So uh, Malarkey and Robinson haven't spoke about it much yet at this point, but certainly I think there's probably some regret there if they will sit down and actually answer the question and tell you the truth on that one.
2: Yeah, that one may be a little bit hard to get out of them.
3: Um, uh- you know,
2: so like, like we were just discussing, our receiver group is a little short on experience, questionable health. Uh, we, we've both said it, that Weems is a, not a great option at wide out. Uh, with the free agency waiver wire, you know, in, in play now, guys are getting cut. Do you think we add anybody before the Raiders game as a wide receiver primarily? Um, the guy that I that stood out to me was uh, Jeremy Curley, who was cut by the 49ers. He, he showed some potential last year. It seems like they gave up on him a little bit early because when he had the right quarterback in there, he, he was a very productive receiver for them for a while. So I was kind of surprised that they cut him given that they also have wide receiver issues.
3: That probably tells you what you need to know about him. As you said, they have issues of their own, and they're cutting this guy. Uh, if he were cut in a numbers issue, kind of like Trey uh, you might think, okay, you know that's not a big deal. We'll go out and get him. But when receiver needy teams or any team in, in need of players at a position can let somebody go, uh, that's certainly a big check mark against them. Now, will John Robinson and Mike Malarkey do their homework on him? Yeah, I'm sure they probably already have, uh, you know, kind of looked at the guy and seen, you know, what they feel about him and where he might fit with them. But I don't think that's somebody that will be brought in at this point in time, unless there's a surprise move made by a team. Uh, You know, kind of like the Titans did where somebody gets released that's unexpected or somebody goes to IR and they have to move people around and maybe somebody gets cut because of it. I don't look for there to be a whole lot of movement between now and Sunday when the Raiders come to town.
1: Greg, what do you think the biggest surprise of any of our cuts has been?
3: None, really. Uh, I guess perhaps maybe Trey McBride, but that was one, again, that was numbers. There was nobody really that surprised me on the list that uh, of cuts that occurred Now there were some guys that were decent football players that probably uh, could have played on this football team, but none of them really stood out as being you know wow better than anybody that was kept on the roster when they weren't.
1: One guy that surprised me was Ty Smith. I thought maybe Demontre Hurst had had an upper you know an advantage on him. What is it about Ty Smith, you think, that made him make the team?
3: Size. He's got really good size. They like that. He did have a good camp. So did DeMontre Hurst. Uh, I thought uh, both of those guys certainly uh, were in the running for a spot along with Kalen Reed, but Reed certainly earned his spot. There's no doubt about that. He had an absolutely great camp, plus uh, the ability that he showed to be able to move back and play some at safety, too. Uh, that versatility, you know, that, that's something that you can't have enough of as guys that can play more than one spot. So uh, Smith and Hurst really were kind of even, but I think in the end, uh, the size a little bit bigger for Ty, Ty Smith uh, was the deciding factor with all things equal. Plus, he might have a little bit more of a ceiling than what DeMontre Hurst has at this point in time
0: teams all over the NFL had to get those get down to that 53 man roster so there's plenty of cuts out there and there's been a lot of speculation about who the Titans might be interested in but so far have you been surprised uh, with how quiet the Titans have been so far after these cuts
3: no not really they're doing their homework on any guys that they might be interested in that and when I say that obviously obviously they know about them as players but uh, when guys are out on the street, you know, they you have to go through their agent or their management or whatever the case may be. in in most cases, so uh, if they're interested in somebody, they're going to make a contact with that player's agent or representatives and, and kind of feel out the situation uh, to see, you know, what this player is looking for to come in. And granted, there's not a whole lot of big name veteran guys out there that would demand big paydays at this point in time, but still, very economical is what the Titans will be with anybody they bring in. They want to get good players, but they also don't want to overpay for them at the same time. So that's part of the process of when I say doing your homework right now on these guys, uh, you know, before they make any type of move to bring in somebody which would ultimately force them then to have to release somebody that they have on the roster.
2: So let's cover uh, DeMarco Murray real quick. Cause he's a guy that he's missed, missed some time, has some injury history. Is he really fully ready to go, or are the Derrick Henry fans going to get their wish and see him get a bunch of carries uh, early on in the season?
3: I think both. I think that uh, you're going to see DeMarco healthy because he says he is, and I have no reason to doubt him that he'll be ready to go. Obviously, we know that uh, he played last year with some injuries, had, to have, uh, he had the foot situation, had to have the wrist surgery. Uh, here early on during the OTAs and and mini-camp portion of things. So he's a warrior. He can play through injuries, but I think he will be healthy. But I also think we're going to see Derek get more carries because the Titans are looking at the playoffs. That's a legitimate goal for this team this year, and they feel like they have to have a healthy and fresh DeMarco Murray at that point in time. So they can't run the tires off of him, so to speak, and then still have Henry Fresh, but then you're going in with really – a guy that certainly has a lot of ability but hasn't proven himself totally at the NFL level. So they want to have the two of them. So I think you see Henry get a lot more carries during the regular season to kind of keep DeMarco a little bit fresher, and obviously DeMarco a year older and a year more wear and tear on the body, having played and did as well as he did last season.
1: Yeah, and DeMarco knows his body, and, and he knows when he'll be ready to go, I think. But a guy that we're not so sure about and also is uh, under this injury bug that we've been uh, plagued with, I guess you should say. He hasn't played at all this preseason, not only from a physical standpoint, but how prepared do you think he'll be mentally for this game?
3: Well, I think that's a good question because obviously – He's going to go through the rookie learning curve, as all will do. He doesn't have uh, the preseason experience, which some of those guys got to kind of help them a little bit in in getting over that. Obviously, Adoree Jackson in the Chicago game, being the other first-rounder, was tested and was picked on a bit by the Bears. So he has the opportunity to go back and now have that experience. Corey Davis, while he won't be picked on necessarily – Uh, as a defensive back would be, he's still got to go through that learning process. But I think mentally and knowing the playbook, he's where he probably needs to be at this point in time for a rookie in his position. The problem is, as you guys said, the injury part, not being on the field, they're going to be judicious with him and put him in situations where that he can excel with his physical ability, where he doesn't necessarily have to think as much. You know, it's more like go out there and say, like we used to do in the backyard, hey, go down 10 yards and and cut out and we'll throw you the football. That's kind of what we'll see with him. He'll be running designed routes in the playbook, but it'll be simple things where he doesn't have to read and adjust a lot to what's going on. Just go out there and play football, get the ball in his hands and let him be the athlete that he is early on until he gets healthy and gets comfortable and kind of gets back into the groove of of being uh, on time and and, in rhythm with Marcus.
1: Yeah, and I think – Taiwan taylor is actually going to help him out a lot too because he's he stepped up big time this preseason i've been really impressed with him and i think that injury to davis is really what opened up his opportunities
3: oh absolutely and i was impressed with Taywan taylor last year i had the opportunity to cover the western kentucky louisiana tech conference usa championship game for the associated press uh last year and taylor was a standout in that game so He was a guy that I was high on going into the draft, and when the Titans took him, it was like, yeah, that guy can play. He's not very big, obviously. Uh, He's not going to be the uh, player that Corey Davis can be because of the size, but I think he's a guy with home run hitter ability with this offense because of his speed and elusiveness and the things that he was able to do at Western Kentucky. So he's certainly going to be a positive addition. And you think about Rashad Matthews had a breakout season a year ago, We know what Eric Decker can do when healthy. Hopefully he can stay that way. So you've got two guys right there that automatically take a little bit of the pressure off of Corey Davis and add Taylor in there that can do the things that he can do as well. So Davis does not have to be the man right out of the gate as some rookie wide receivers have to do with other teams coming in. Now, obviously, if those guys in front of him get injured, then he probably has to step up, hopefully, He can do that, but certainly sooner than they would want. But if you can keep those guys healthy, then he can be a very talented role player early on in the season and perhaps even all year long until he gets his feet wet. And then, you know, maybe second season, if you will, when the Titans, if the Titans make the playoffs, by then, 16 games worth of experience, he should be ready to make a jump.
0: Speaking of Eric Decker, where do you see him at right now in his return to full strength?
3: He says he's 100%, and again, I have no reason to doubt him. Mike Malarkey said today in the press conference that Decker could have played in Kansas City on Thursday night. They held him out as a precaution. You know, there's, there's no reason to risk him in an injury in a preseason game like that. He is a veteran. You don't have to worry about uh, the experience portion of things. Obviously, there might be some issues with the timing. He hasn't spent a lot of time with Marcus, though those guys did get together prior to the start of training camp and do some throwing, so there's been a little bit of work there. But I think that's something that will develop, and it was a wise move not to have the guy out there and risk a potential injury because he's going to be a key, especially early on, as I said, with Davis trying to work his way back into things that you have Matthews, Decker, Taylor uh, available to do the things that they can do so that Davis doesn't feel the pressure early on of having to step up and be the guy.
0: Greg, we fielded a lot of questions about this, and I'm sure you have too so far. The offense really sputtered in a lot of these uh, preseason games. Now, there was a lot of people that were, you know, that we just talked about, especially at wide receiver, that missed a lot of preseason. Some of them, all of preseason. How worried are you, uh, you know, seeing these performances by our offense in the preseason? How much does that worry you heading into the regular season?
3: A little. Uh, obviously, you have to be concerned about it. That You know, they didn't come out and play as well. It was kind of a Jekyll and Hyde, and I wrote that in a story uh, shortly after the Bears game uh, about it because they played so poorly against the Jets in the first game. They played much better uh, in the game against Carolina here. They didn't play well against the Bears here, and then obviously what they did in Kansas City. Uh, So, you know, it was up and down with them. So there's got to be some concern there, but I also spoke with Ben Jones following the – chicago game in the locker room and wrote a story about that as well on pro football spot where ben basically said hey you know don't worry about these things with the offensive line we're not scheming we're not game planning we're going out there and we're blocking the play as it's designed whether there's people there or not and once we start doing these things in game planning and making checks and calls at the line and adjusting Uh, our line blocking, we're going to be fine. We're the same offensive line we were a year ago was basically his message. So I'll take him at his word. Obviously, they're going to get a stiff test with the Raiders in game one because we know their defense is pretty good, and certainly Khalil Mack and company are going to apply some pressure. So, you know, if he's right and they fix these things, that ought to be a great game. If he's wrong and they struggle, it's going to be a really long Sunday for Marcus and the offense.
0: Greg, you keep feeding me transitions like you have the script in front of you over here. Speaking of that Oakland Raiders game, I was going to ask you your thoughts heading into this week one matchup. Well,
3: you know, at this point in time, you've got two teams coming back with quarterbacks that both injured, broke a leg on the very same Sunday a year ago. So they're each at the same point in their recovery. Now, obviously, I'm not a medical doctor, haven't seen the x-rays, can't really tell you which one's injury was more severe or the exact same, you know, I don't know on that front, but certainly Derek Carr played much better uh, in the, what I saw of him in the preseason than Marcus did as a whole. Now, obviously Marcus had issues with his team around him. Carr had pretty good performances from his team in, in the limited amount that I saw from him. Can you take anything from that? No, not really. I mean, we're going to see come Sunday, what's going to happen because You know, the Titans' defense, I think the front seven is very good. I think they have the ability to get after uh, Derek Carr and call some things. My concern with them is in the secondary. So what can we take away from it? Not much. We're going to find out, guys, on Sunday. Early on, probably in the first quarter, because I've got a feeling you're going to see the Raiders come out and take some shots deep with Amari Cooper trying to work on some cornerbacks. Can those cornerbacks hold up, and can the offense do their part, stay on the field, move the football, so that the defense doesn't have to stay out there as much. Uh, You know, I'm not trying to avoid an answer there, but uh, it's really hard to say at this point in time when you kind of look at it based on everything, the way it's kind of lined up. But if I had to make a prediction, and and I know you may ask me this later, so I won't make it right now, I would have to say that I could make a prediction, but a lot of people probably wouldn't like what I would pick at this moment.
2: And I think that's... Me. I think I think that's on the edge of a lot of people's mind is that there's a real chance that this does not go our way to start the season, just because there's too many questions on the Titans. Uh, but what you were just speaking about, Crabtree has always kind of beat up the Titans. Um, it, it's kind of odd the way that we're one of the teams that he picks on, just probably because our best corner is always on Amari. Now, do we have a corner capable of matching up with Amari so that Crabtree's even the concern? Because what I've seen in the preseason really concerns me about man-on-man defense. Uh, Logan Ryan hasn't given me any confidence yet. Sims, for as good as he is, I don't know that he can handle a guy like Amari. And Adore is just not there yet. So can we contain a guy like Amari Cooper while dealing with the fact that, for some reason, uh, Crabtree always beats us up?
3: That's a great question, and again, as I said, the front seven is going to have to get after Derek Carr, make some things happen, hit him, move him off his spot, make him uncomfortable to help out that secondary, because quite honestly, I feel the same way you guys do, and probably a lot of people when I look at the cornerback situation. Logan Ryan, to me, even when they signed him, is a better slot corner than he is an outside guy. He played well for the Patriots, but we know that's the Patriots. I mean, they are what they are, and you can't really compare the Titans to them at this point in time. So there's not really a lockdown cornerback. When Joe Hayden hit the market, the first thing I thought, and I mentioned this to Terry McCormick, uh, talking to him uh, on Sunday at the Bears game, Uh, The fact that I felt like maybe the Titans needed to figure out a way to make a move to find a proven corner that could come in and take one side and allow Ryan to play the other. You could have Sims maybe come in and play that corner, move Ryan to the slot, and then you've got Jackson that you can move around in different places until he learns and gets comfortable. Now, he got a baptism by fire by Chicago, but when you look at the Bears receivers and you look at Crabtree and you look at Cooper, that's a whole different animal.
0: All right, Greg, we're going to ask you here about your prediction that you alluded to earlier. If you had to predict that game right now, what would you say the final score is going to be?
3: Oh, that's a tough one. I I don't know about predicting the
0: final score, but I do think at this
3: point in time with the question marks that the Titans have, I would have to lean towards the Raiders because they are the more complete team without as many question marks at this point in time for me personally entering this game. So you're going to put me on the spot and ask for a prediction? <laughs> I might go 28-14, and I know that's that's just off the top of my head without doing a lot of research. Uh, you know, to, to break down more things because I haven't done a lot on the game yet. I just got the game released today. Uh, but again, as I said, the the Raiders probably have less question marks at this point in time. And all things are equal with the quarterbacks. As I mentioned earlier, you know, both haven't broken the leg on the same day. uh, They're kind of at the same spot there. So uh, I just have to go with the Raiders in it. But that's not to say that the Titans can't win. You know, if all the pieces fall into place, if they they get performances from guys that they they feel like they can do and the players feel like they can perform, they certainly can win this football game. But just, you know, off the cuff, to be honest, I got to go Raiders at this point.
1: Yeah, I feel like the last two times we played them, we kind of got robbed out of a victory. So maybe the other way around this time. (laughs) I guess we'll see. But you're right. I mean, these two teams are very comparable Uh when it comes to you know overall talent. I think both have great O lines. Um, I think if we can establish the run, that's our best chance. But you're not you're not wrong to make that prediction. I think it's going to be a high scoring game. I mean, we'll just wait and see. I suppose. Yeah,
2: my my thought would be more. Sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, by all
3: means. I guess I would be more comfortable with the Titans had they performed better in the preseason offensively. But when you look at what they did in the preseason, you know, shut out in a game, very little offense in another, didn't play all that well against the Bears, had one good performance, you know, it just, it didn't inspire confidence in me and anybody else. So uh, we'll see. Obviously. Things can change from the preseason to the regular season, but uh, there's some work to be done this week, and anything can happen in a game. But uh, I don't want to sound like a negative person, but that's that's kind of where I think a lot of people are with this team. And certainly I think if you got Mike Malarkey to sit down and tell you his true feelings, he's got some concerns going into this thing.
2: You have to. What you were just saying, our offense didn't show us a whole lot But we have the kind of secondary that right now, and they may give us something completely different come game day, but right now it looks like we have a kind of secondary that we're going to be in a lot of shootouts without the offense having performed well enough in the preseason to make us confident about that. Now we're going to get a bunch of different pieces back. But if we end up having to just outscore everybody because we can't get anybody off the field throwing the ball, it's another tough season where we're controlling the clock and trying to grind people down. This is the only way we're going to get our wins if we can't get something done with that secondary.
3: Well, and again, those guys may outperform predictions, but just based on the body of work that they put together in the preseason, you have to be concerned. Again, I don't want to sound too negative, and you know, I don't want to, to sound like I'm being disrespectful to any of the players or their ability but again going off the body of work that they produce now again i know like ben jones told me and i mentioned you know they're not game planning they're not scheming those things certainly can have an effect on what's going to happen and probably will you know we can't forget the fact that on defense dick lebeau is still the defensive coordinator and that man has probably forgotten more about football than most of us will ever know so i certainly don't want to question him and what he will be able to do with this team once they start game planning and doing things like that but Certainly, I think that, again, there, there's just reason to, for concern with all of it.
0: Greg, thanks a lot for coming on. It's always a pleasure having you on the show.
3: You're welcome, guys. Glad to do it, and I uh, appreciate you having me on, as always. Maybe next time I can stay a little bit longer if I didn't have uh, a previous commitment that I have to take care of tonight, but certainly appreciate you guys, as always.
1: Amen. We we'll certainly- we appreciate you, and we'll definitely have you back.
3: And We'll certainly take what we Thank can
0: get. You. Okay, guys. Have a great night. Thanks, sir. You too. All right, guys. Another big thanks to Greg Arias, one of our favorite guests to have on the show for sure. We're going to move into our week one preview here. We have the Raiders coming up, but definitely a tough matchup, as we were just talking about with Greg. The way we're going to do this is we're going to work through offense first, then defense, and we're on offense. What's the key matchup you're looking for? And this can be player versus player. Uh, player versus unit, unit versus unit, whatever you want it to be. But what's a key matchup that you're looking at? And then we're going to add in our X factors, one on offense, one on defense. And then we'll give our final predictions and final thoughts on this game as we gear up for finally having meaningful football games uh, for the Tennessee Titans. And we're going to end it off with our season predictions. So let's jump right into it. Here's first. So Glenn, our offense versus their defense, what's a key matchup?
2: Our offensive line, how well they can run block, I think is going to determine this game as far as the Titans' fortunes on offense. Our passing game is a little underdeveloped because we were missing too many pieces throughout the preseason. So if we can't come on the field and control the line of scrimmage and run the ball and control the clock and just give our defense a chance to rest, I think this game goes really bad for us really quick. So offensive line, I'm always, you know, the trenches guy anyway, but offensive line
1: determines whether or not we have a chance to win this game. It's all about time of possession. Uh, It starts with the O line. It goes to DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry being able to find the holes and hitting them hard. If you want to go a different route, my other contributor would probably be Delaney Walker making plays. Obviously our wideouts need to perform as well, but I think Delaney is probably the biggest factor in other than our run game and controlling the ball, but I think Delaney making those key plays are going to keep the keep the chains moving and keep us with the ball and our defense off the field.
0: I'm going a little bit of a different route here, guys, and I'm going with the passing game. Last year when we played this Raiders team, you know, Demarco Murray had a good game, 114 yards and a touchdown on only 16 carries. The running game did good. Um, Derrick Henry also added 45 yards on 10 carries. And that's a great average. Our top pass catcher in that game, our leading receiver in that game, was Jason Morrow with 59 yards. Uh, Marcus had a 214-yard game, on 17 passes with no touchdowns and two interceptions. We ran the ball well last time. I think we're going to be able to do it again. Their run defense is not that impressive. The thing is, is we need to be able to pass the ball, but I think it's not going to be that big of a deal for us because of the weapons that we have now. I mean, you're looking at the list of who caught passes last year. And, and you know, when Jay Morrow is your number one leading receiver in a game, it's not good news. The Delaney obviously missed that game, but so we have Delaney added back into that. All the additions that we have, Corey Davis, uh, Decker, uh, Taewon Taylor, all of those guys added into, I think, especially against a secondary. That's not that solid. We're going to be able to pass the ball a lot more and move the ball a lot better than we did last year through the air. Uh, or at least, hopefully, that's going to be a key matchup. If we can, the running game, I think, is going to be there. So the question is, do Mariota, uh, does Mariota and this group of wide receivers get it done? Because their secondary is not that great, but they do have a mean pass rush, which I'm sure, you know, we're going to talk about. Is, you know, Bruce Irvin's going to be flying in there. Khalil Mack's going to be flying in there. We have to be able to stop those two guys, get the ball out, and get make some plays happen in the passing game.
2: Yeah, there's no question that if Jason Morrow is your leading receiver, you're in bad shape. And we can all remember it was basically two catches is all he had that game. Yeah. And that was enough to be the leading receiver. So Marcus had no help that game last year. Ryan read off the stats to you already. The ground game was there last year. I'm less happy about our offensive line this year than I was during that game last year. Just, you know, as Gray again discussed, they weren't – The preseason is not a tell-all for where the offensive line really is. But I need to see it on a game day before I can feel real happy about it. So I'm still worried about our offensive line until proven otherwise, which hopefully is this week.
1: Yeah, I think we all felt better about this team uh, two weeks ago (laughs) before the Bears game and uh, before the Chiefs game. But uh, there's definitely a huge matchup on the way. Uh, I actually think these teams are comparable to each other in a lot of different ways. But I think if we can, the only the only thing I see differently going on with both of these teams, we kind of run to set up the pass, and they kind of pass to set up their run. Uh, you got to remember, Marshawn Lynch is on this team. We haven't seen him in two years. How he'll look, we don't know. There's a lot of question marks around this game, and I don't think it's make or break either way. I think the last two times we played them was uh, within the touchdown, and I kind of see the same thing going on this year as well
0: one other thing I'll add before we move on to the offensive X factors is turnovers. Last year, we turned the ball over three times, um, you know, to the Raiders one and we lost 10 to 17. You know, if we have those turnovers back, there's a good chance that we end up winning that game. That's going to be key is limiting the mistakes. You know, obviously that's a big key in every single game you're ever going to play in any football at any level is you got to limit mistakes. You got to be able to keep the ball in your hand. That's one thing that's, You know that makes me excited about this game a little bit is last year we didn't do that. This year I think we'll we'll do a better job of it. But on offense, who is your X factor in this game?
2: My X factor is Marcus, like you just said. Uh, You said exactly what it is. If he cannot turn over the ball, which with the weapons he has, it won't be on him as much as it was last year to make big plays. He's got guys he can trust to get open. All last year we were watching the wide receivers fail to create space, fail to do us any good. In the passing game, in a lot of different games, it was just it was too easy for the other team to match up with us athletically. It didn't even have to be great players; it's just we couldn't separate from anybody. And this year, we've got you know Eric Decker, who's a big target. We've got uh, Taylor. We've got what should be a good player in Davis. We we have options on the wide receivers. We have Delaney Walker. We, we have Johnu Smith, who has a lot of potential. So Marcus is my X factor. As long as he can go out and just trust his weapons and not feel like he has to make the big plays and just not make turnovers and give them a chance to score again against us, Marcus plays well. We have a very good shot.
1: Let's say Taylor Lewan is the X factor. I think if he and that offensive line can control their defensive front and not get penalties called on them, play smart football, that's the X factor to win in this game.
0: I'm going to go in a little bit different of direction to give you another guy, and, and that's going to be Eric Decker. For, uh, looking at this game, you know, we didn't pass well last year. It's something we're going to have to do to win this game is make plays in the passing game. This is a guy I think we're going to lean heavy on um, in the red zone and passing options when we get inside the 20. Obviously, he's great at it. Mariota has been great at it through his young career. And I think Corey Davis has the potential to be really great at it, but he's still young. He didn't get a lot of reps this preseason and this training camp. So I think we're going to lean heavy early in the year on Eric Decker. So I'm looking for him as soon as we get close, you know, to the end zone, uh, looking for him to get open, get shots to him in the end zone that can lead to scores and, you know, win this football game. So I think that's going to be a big factor is the play of Eric Decker in this. And I think you could put Corey Davis, I just Corey Davis didn't get the reps. He's not quite there yet. He's still a rookie, you know. I think that we're going to lean on Decker a little heavier early in the year.
1: I think we're all going to be pleasantly surprised with what Decker does. I'm pretty confident he's going to be our go-to guy in the red zone.
0: Right, I would agree with you there. Let's move on to the defensive side of the ball here. So, Glenn, our defense versus their offense, what's a key matchup you're looking at?
2: Like I asked Greg, it's all about those wide receivers versus our team full of slot cornerbacks. Uh, Logan Ryan is going to have to take care of Crabtree or Cooper. I don't think he can win either of those matchups. Sims is going to have to take care of Crabtree or Cooper. I don't think he can win either one of those matchups. So we're going to have to cheat back a lot. Our safeties are going to be real busy trying to contain, you know, the the Raiders' passing game because Derek Carr is going to be looking to come out and throw for four hundred. And I know if I were playing against our secondary, I would look at our at our defensive front. Think I don't want to have to worry about these guys hitting me, so I'm going to get the ball out quick. I'm going to go out and win my routes fast. Logan Ryan has shown that he can beat beat quickly. Sims has a hard time with speed; he can't handle fast wide receivers. Quick comeback routes, slants. I expect the Raiders to just get the ball out really fast and just completely shut down our pass rush. So my my X factor, or you know, my main focus is can our Defensive front, get to Derek Carr without completely giving up on run defense. Get to Derek Carr fast enough to protect our secondary.
1: Definitely, it's hard to pick anything else. One thing I'll say to kind of go a different route, maybe I think we see a lot of Jalen Brown this season, often and early. And I think I don't think anyone even is aware that Jared Cook comes back and he he's on this team now. Uh, I think he gets shut down. So if we can focus on Getting a good pass rush going and just being there, not necessarily you know, get creating turnovers on the outside, but just being there and and holding them accountable for tackles and keeping everyone in front of of our guys. I don't think they'll have an easy path getting down the field as some would think. Um, Derek Carr, obviously coming off the same injury Marcus has. Nobody's really talking about that. I haven't done any preseason scouting on Oakland or Derek Carr for that matter. But let's not forget he's coming off this injury, too. So I'm not sure that he's completely confident with his game yet.
0: Right. I I agree with a lot of what you said there. The one thing that is kind of surprising right now with Jared Cook is he debuted on their depth chart as number two at tight end behind Lee Smith. So, you know, that makes you wonder a little bit about where uh, Jared Cook is right now um, and, you know, in his play because Lee Smith, a guy that definitely not a household name, that's going to be an interesting, you know, matchup for us to see if that guy is a guy that can really put pressure on us. And I think you're going to see a lot of Jayon Brown, like like Matt just said. I'm going to go with the pass rush. I'm going to go mainly with Arakpo and Morgan here. They need to be able to get pressure. This, you know, like Glenn was talking about, this corners are going to be targeted a lot. I don't see Logan Ryan winning a matchup against either of these wide receivers. I don't really see anybody on our secondary winning a lot of matchups, you know, playing one-on-one. So we need to get the pass rush there early and often. Dick LeBeau needs to, to have some of them special plays written up. Arakpo and Morgan need to be effective in this game if we're going to win it. I, I think it's a huge matchup for us. We need to be able to get off. And they have a good offensive line. The Raiders have a, a very good offensive line. So we need to get back there in the backfield and be disruptive early and often in this football game.
2: The worst thing that can happen is is that they find a lot of early success with their passing game. And that's when Marshawn Lynch comes in and just tears us up. And then all of a sudden they're throwing bombs down the field because that, that's how that chain of events usually unfolds. Is you, you throw real quick, you throw quick passes, the defense overreacts, they're cheating back. And then you bring in somebody like a Marshawn Lynch who, if he's 80% of what beast mode used to be, that's a problem for us if we're <laughs> having to worry really hard about our secondary then everybody starts cheating up on Marshawn Lynch. And then all of a sudden you're seeing those ADR completions down the field. It's just, it's a one, two, three. It's a combination that I'm really worried about with this, uh, matchup. I just, I'm really concerned about it.
0: I'm not as concerned with the running game. I, you know, I have my reservations with Lynch and his ability to come back at, at his age, taking a year off from football. Um, and you know, Wesley Woodyard and company have been very good at, at stopping the run. So, That's something that we really – I mean, we definitely can't let them get off. We can't let them get off and go on the running game because that opens so much up for the passing game, like they're said. I think we need to keep Derek Carr uncomfortable all game long. It's going to be a huge key to our success. But, Glenn, let's move on here to the X Factor. Who do you have as your defensive X Factor in this game?
2: My defensive X Factor is – it's as much of a group as anything else. Our inside linebackers and their ability to – help out cornerbacks and take some pressure off the center of the field. That's what ate us up all last year. That's where Jayon Brown comes in. If Jayon Brown can keep their tight ends under under control, just in check even, so they're just not running free, because that, that was so painful last year is tight ends just running free through the middle of the field. There's no danger to the quarterback to throw the ball to him. There's no presence there. We, we saw it against Kansas City. Jaeon can drop back and go up and get a ball. So everybody's seen that. That's on tape. They're not going to underthrow those balls to those tight ends. So having him on the field and then having seen that, that helps us out a little bit. But he's going to have to be out there and play a lot, I think, because otherwise we have the same linebackers who who couldn't cover my grandmother as a tight end. So that's my X factor. Can our middle linebackers who aren't involved in the direct pass rush be involved in the in run defense and still be a presence against the tight ends.
1: I'm going to use the trickle down effect. Uh, I don't think that they're going to be able to throw over the middle because of our linebackers. And my X factor of the game then falls on Kevin Byard and Jonathan Cyprian. These are the guys that are going to have to make the plays. Cyprian against Marshawn Lynch on the run game. Kevin Byard in center field helping out the corners because we probably assume they're going to need some help. Amari Cooper is not a joke, and, and Crabtree is very productive. Um, Kevin Byard is going to have to be all over the field, and I think that if he can be in the right position and our corners can somewhat stay with these guys, I think we'll have success.
2: Now, does, is this your biggest fear here? Our corners can't handle these guys, and so our safeties on both sides are cheating to the outside, and that's when Jared Cook catches his ball and runs free right down the middle of the field.
1: Yeah. Um, I think we would just have to adjust at that point, but I mean, that's, that's very possible and, uh, something we need to look out for.
2: Yeah. it just, every time I look at this matchup, I, I keep seeing Jared cook running in the middle of the field for a touchdown and then us having to listen to the crackheads talk about how we should never let Jared cook go and how he's an elite, uh, tight end.
0: If it plays out like <laughs> it looks right now, he's not even going to be the starter, um, come game time, but you know, we'll see. But, uh, I'm, I'm willing
1: to bet that no matter what the depth chart says, Jared Cook will have a more productive game than Lee Smith probably all year long.
0: I mean, it, it, it makes you wonder. It makes you wonder why Jared Cook's that low. It makes you wonder, like, what's going on that Jared Cook's not the starter because he seemed as soon as he got there he was going to be the de facto starter. It's definitely something, you know, storyline we'll be watching all week long, I'm sure. My X factor in this game, though, is going to be Logan Ryan and LaShawn Sims, uh, either one, because if one of them – can play better than their matchup. And I know that's a tall order, and I know I just said I don't think it's going to happen, and I don't. But if one of them can get the advantage over Cooper or uh, Crabtree, then we can put safety help over the top and double-team the other one the entire game long, and we can win that game doing it doing it that way. But one of these guys has to step up. Um, and you could throw, like, you know, a Dory Jackson and McCain in there, but I think, you know, Ryan and Sims are going to be your de facto starters on the edge. We need one of these guys to step up and and win their matchup. And if we can do that, you know, then we can play with Bayard over top uh, every single time. Or you can put, you know, one of our safeties there over the top every single time and really blanket them with that um, double coverage so that other guy can't get off either. If we can do that, you know, outside of that, they don't have a ton of weapons on this offense. They have two primary weapons. So if you can hold, if we can stop or at least slow down those guys, we're gonna have a strong chance of winning this football game.
2: Touch the tight end situation there real quick. Lee Smith is their blocking tight end. He's their Craig Stevens. He, he's the guy who comes out there and he he blocks. And they they want to establish that power run game. So he's always gonna be that first guy because on first and second down, when there's that threat of them running the ball, it, it's gonna be Lee Smith. Jared Cook comes in on third down. Jared Cook comes in to give you the two tight end set and be the vertical threat. So, Lee Smith, that's why he's on top of that draft chart or on top of that depth chart, is because he's their blocking tight end. That's the whole function
1: in him sticking around. Let me ask you guys this Do you think we see a lot of uh, rotating from our corners on these receivers? As we desperately
2: search for anybody who can run with anybody, <laughs> probably.
1: Somebody with a pulse. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Somebody go out there and make a fucking play. I've entertained a thought of you know playing all three of our safeties uh, just because they have more of a chance of making a big impact than our
1: corners out moat. Hey, that's kind of why we have Curtis Riley on the team. That's exactly it.
0: You also talk, you know, <laughs> Kalen Reed being down there is a the guy that can do a little bit of both for you um i I think it's definitely a case if if we're getting blown out early if they're if they're just beating us bad early, you're definitely gonna see a rotation uh, you know coming you're gonna see a lot more of mccain you're gonna see a lot more of you know Dory Jackson until someone starts to slow them down or start winning that matchup you're you're gonna see them rotate and try to figure out something that works, and that's gonna be important for all of these guys is you know if you do that week one. You're probably going to be the guy starting week two, and you know from then on out. So you need to be able to find someone, and we have some talent. Like there's definitely talent there. It's just nobody's really impressed. We have a lot of guys that are really great in the slot, not great with their back on the sidelines. So we need someone to step up big in this game.
2: You know, one guy that could cause us a lot of problems, and he doesn't have great hands. So I, I bring him up just as kind of a hey, maybe is Corderell Patterson now plays for the for the. Uh... The Raiders. Raiders, Yeah. Raiders. Yeah, those guys. Quarter rail Patterson now plays for the Raiders, and his speed and his playmaking ability are undeniable if he catches the ball. So if we're focusing too hard on those outside guys and they sneak Patterson in there, that that could also be your guy
1: breaking wide open. You know, in other news, guys, Ryan just brought me back memory lane with rotating corners and Bryce McCain. Valentino Blake was unfortunately cut, uh, I believe, yesterday, maybe the day before, but um, not deep enough. Not deep enough. I feel like Bryce should be there right beside them, but you know. You know what?
2: Given what we've got going on in our secondary, it takes a secondary this questionable to make Bryce McCain valuable, but I couldn't cut him off this roster right now either.
1: <laughs> Demontre Hurst, damn it. Bleeding yeah, Ray I, Wilson, I, bring him back.
2: I, I, not bleeding Ray. Bleeding <laughs> Ray is just as much of a problem. At least this guy at least, at least this group has potential. You know, as exactly as Greg said. Logan Ryan is a nickel cornerback. Uh, he, he is not a one-on-one kind of guy, not in zone, not in man. He needs a great defensive scheme around him for him to be successful. It's one of the very few moves J-Rob has made, paying that much money for a guy that I don't think can cover. Uh, that that may be one of those things that we point to, like, that's a miss. Uh, just kind of like people are questioning the Kevin Dodd draft pick, Logan Ryan is my... Why would you bring him in? I mean, we brought in Valentino Blake and McCain. None of us like him, but they had previous history with LeBeau. So that's how they get in the door. No one's got any real history except for, you know, just that Patriots connection on the backside with Logan Ryan. Why give him that kind of money?
1: And to your point, it's like before – I know why we brought him in because he's probably one of the more talented guys on the roster, but – we already had those nickel guys all over the team. We, we He's not what we needed, but he's still better than what we had, if that makes any sense.
0: It, it does,
2: and that's what's so depressing about it.
0: Yeah. I think it's only um, certifiable 100% proof that Valentino Blake is Matt's favorite overall Titan of all time when he hasn't been on the team for months. And he still had to, we- like, weevil his way into the show there.
1: He's still
2: keeping <laughs> hey, track of him. I, uh, no, I brought, up, I brought
0: up Bleedy
1: Ray out of nowhere. You didn't expect that one.
2: Well, you named, him, you named a fantasy yeah, team after fantasy Bleedy team Ray. The, so. Bleedy Rays. the Bleedy Rays, man, forever. <laughs> you know, Matt's got a thing for those worthless fucking cornerbacks. <laughs>
1: that's all I know, man. That's what I <laughs> that,
2: That's true. As, as a Titans fan, you see a lot of that. I mean, yeah. I'm surprised you didn't name something after Cox.
1: Can't even tell you where he's at. Pretty sure he's at with Burger King.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it's not in the league. I'm just, i just—I don't know where he is. Sitting anyway. home right now, listening to Two Tone Uncensored. If he has any common sense, but and,
2: and tell us to go fuck ourselves. But at the same time,
0: fuck <laughs> you, buddy. You can't play for shit.
1: I'm reaching out
0: tonight, Bleedy Ray and Paris <laughs> there you go. All right, guys, let's move into uh, our final predictions for this game. Glenn, we'll start with you here. What do you see happening in this game? What are your final thoughts and your final prediction? <laughs>
2: Well, I think everybody has a pretty good idea about where I'm about to go with this. I don't think this is a win. I think a lot of guys are cutting their wrist after this game because <laughs> you know, that, we, we have a lot of diehard fans who can't handle the idea of us losing a game. And Wow. <laughs> we we haven't made it to one game yet. Everybody's talking about we should fire LeBeau already. I know, I know. So the, the crackheads are already out in full force. We haven't played one game. When we come out here and this doesn't go our way, th- they're going to die. I mean, this is, there's no other explanation for it. Their heads are going to explode.
1: Mass and, suicide.
2: <laughs> but like I said, my opinion would probably be different if the offense had been whole through the preseason. We, we have too many guys coming off injury at the last minute. And veterans like Murray and Decker, they're going to go out there and they're going to do their thing. Davis is going to take more time to work in. This is going to be Taylor's first real game. And while I believe he's up to the challenge, he, this is going to be his first game, too, so he's going to have some rookie jitters. I, I think Matthews and Decker are going to be our main receivers uh, for this game because the, the rookies, you don't put them in primetime their very first game out there unless you just want to screw with their heads. So I, I'm not convinced that our offense is ready for primetime and ready for a shootout. I am convinced that our secondary is not ready for primetime and not ready for a shootout. So the Raiders are sitting there with potentially a better running game. I, I, I don't buy Lynch big time. He's not dra- he's not even a draftable guy for me until you get late into the fantasy rounds. So I'm, I'm not high on Lynch. The, the the thing is, is he does bring a presence. When he's on the field, our defense is going to know he's there. And we already can't deal with their wide receivers. I already don't know that we can stop their tight ends because I don't know if we're going to play Brown enough to, for him to be that big of a factor. I hope we do. I want to see a lot of Brown. I want I want Brown to be the defensive rookie of the year, so I'm all for that. But I don't think it's going to happen week one, so I, I'm predicting that we lose. Uh, they're probably going to score 35 points on us. I, I'm perfectly happy for it to be 14, but probably 35 because I think there's going to be some serious breakdowns as our defense just can't get their shit together week one.
1: Defense is a huge concern in this matchup as it is probably with every matchup we face this season. But um, I'm not – it's hard for me to say that we're either going to win or lose. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. The biggest thing for us is to come out and not have a slow start. I think we are notorious for slow starts. That's the biggest thing. If we can come out firing and our confidence is is you know high from the start, I could see us winning a shootout. You know, like I said earlier, every year we play this team, we lose on some bullshit within seven points. Like, uh, they came up – we started slow, as I just said last time we played. I think it was like 17-3 to or something at halftime. We came back, and if it wasn't for a bullshit penalty and uh, Andre Johnson got a touchdown called back on us for uh, a questionable offensive pass interference, a lot of things could have happened and didn't. My final score prediction, uh, I'll just go ahead and say with us winning, I'll say it would be – Thirty to
0: twenty four. This one's tough because um you know on defense I think we are we should be a little scared. They you know this is a good offense. They have um some premier weapons, you know, when you talk about Crabtree who's you know founded the second half of his career for sure, um revitalized his career and um in Oakland. Your Derek Carr is obviously one of, if not the best, young quarterback in the league, and then you have, you know, Amari Cooper, one of the best young wide receivers in the league. Definitely a talented roster. But if you flip onto the other side, I think their defense is scared too. You have, you know, the returning best offensive line in the league, the returning AFC rushing title holder. They're not gonna be able to stop the stop the running game. This rush defense is gonna be just about as bad as it was last year, and it was bad last year. DeMarco's going to run the ball all over them. Derrick Henry's going to run the ball all over them. It's going to be easy for us um, to move the ball running. I think it's not going to be that much of a challenge. This is going to be the first time we re- we see all of these wide receivers together on one unit, you know. And then you add in um what Delaney Walker can do and, and what, you know, if we even see Johnny Smith, but what Johnny Smith can do. that tight end group's also very talented. So, when we get it all together, their defense isn't going to be able to stop us. Their Their pass rush is impressive with those two guys I mentioned earlier, Bruce Irvin and Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack also does a decent job in a running game, but he's one guy. If you run to the other side, they have nothing. They have no answer for that. We're going to be able to run the ball well. I think we're going to be able to pass the ball well. The secondary, you know, we talked about before we got on the show, we were talking about how is Smith You know, still there. Uh, Amerson's been a a complete disaster since he's been there. We're going to be able to move the ball on them, too. I think it's going to be a very high-scoring game. This is one of the only games, you know, I'm a guy that likes to to have the kickoff in the second half. This is going to be a game, if we win the toss, we should take the ball first. (laughs) Just so we have more opportunities than they do, because it's going to be a high-scoring affair. I don't think either defense is going to be effective in this game. But I think we can uh, and will come out on top. And the reason being for that is I do think we will stop their rush attack. I don't think that's going to be a problem for us. I don't think they're going to be able to stop either of ours. I think we're going to be able to pass the ball on them. I think we're going to be able to run the ball on them. But our rush defenses was actually pretty good last year. Marshawn Lynch does not impress me. You know, I'm holding out all reservations on him. Beast mode is not a thing anymore. You, know, you take a year off from football and come back, that's a lot. And when he got to training camp, he was not looking in great shape. I think that they're going to have a really hard time running the ball against us. I do think they will move the ball through the air, obviously. They're going to put up points still. But I think at the end of the day, it's going to be easier for us to control time of possession. It's going to be easier for us to move the ball overall. And as long as we stay out of turnover trouble, I think we should win this game. Um, And I'll put my final prediction. This is tough, but I'm going to say uh, 28-28. 27 I think it's going to be that tight I think it's going to come down to a field goal but I think actually I'll say 30 I'll say 30 27 is my final with the Titans uh, sneaking out with a victory
2: like you said I'm not impressed by their defense my whole thing is I don't think our offense is together yet if if this game was four weeks into the season I have a completely different approach to how I think this game goes for us but right now with too many questions to be answered I, I think it goes the other way. I'm happy to have this be Marcus's first game where he goes out there and just absolutely torches Tampa Bay. I would love for
1: us to go out there and torch the Raiders. I'm all for that. Then just don't lose to Cleveland the next week. (laughs) Four touchdowns in the first half. Sounds pretty good to me.
0: Absolutely. Um, But we'll definitely see what happens. You know, it's obviously going to be a big game um, for the Tennessee Titans starting out and we'll see where we're at there. But, Moving on here, we're gonna do our season predictions here, and I'll start off just so you guys can see like kind of the format I'm running with here, guys. I think Tennessee Titans end the season at ten and six, uh, AFC South champions. We're gonna be the third seed going into the playoffs. You know, now in the playoffs, I don't think we go very far. I think at most we're probably gonna win the first game and then lose um, in the divisional round. There's a lot of talented teams still in the AFC that I don't think that we're quite as good as. It's going to be hard for us to get over the hump, um, so I think yeah we're going to win a playoff game, third seed in the playoffs. We'll finish ten and six and get our first you know division championship since that '08 year. So definitely it would be a huge season for us still just to get to that point.
2: I'm going to say nine and seven because I think we lose an extra game off in the first part of the season as as the team gels and recovers, you know, both from injuries and just. The, the, there's going to be a little bit of chaos to start out this season just because we don't know what these guys can really do. I don't think they know what they can really do. Our secondary has to be questioning themselves. I think as the season goes on, they, they see who they really are and they can settle into doing what they do well. The coaching staff will protect them a little bit from making, you know, being hung out there to dry. So I think we get stronger as the season goes on. I think we can win the first round of the playoffs and I think we can win the division
1: at 9-7. Uh, and seven. I don't think we can get
2: past that first round, but I think that's a realistic goal for
1: us. Yeah, I'm not willing to talk about what we do when we get to the playoffs because anything can happen. I don't think we're you know built right now to to beat the Patriots, but I'm not saying we it can't. Yeah, I know, right? As far as the record goes, I'm pretty comfortable with ten and six. I think a lot of people were a lot higher on this team, like I said earlier, two weeks ago. Seeing this lackluster performance in the preseason has kind of brought everybody down a little bit, but I still think that out of these sixteen games, I think we can get ten of them. We're all pretty much in the same range there.
0: Yeah, same area there, and and it, it'll be nice to to get the the AFC championships. Uh, sorry, AFC South championship, which we haven't gotten in a while, and it'll be super nice if we can sweep. The Colts, if we lost every game this year but swept the Colts, it would still suck, but I'd be like, all right. <laughs> like right, I'll take that. I mean, that would absolutely suck, but, man, I just want to get a win over the Colts so yeah. bad. If we
2: swept the division, I might feel the same way. Because, yeah, I mean, look, look around. We, we've got Savage, Bortles, who they weren't even sure if they were going to keep on their roster, and Andrew Luck's out. There's every realistic chance that we could actually sweep this division. So that's that six wins. It's just I'm worried about what happens with the rest of it.
0: See, the bad thing about that is the first time we play the Colts is week six, so Andrew Luck's not going to be out for us. Like, he's going to play when we play him.
2: I've said repeatedly, if it were me, I would just sit him out the whole year and just come back next year because that Colts team has no chance at doing anything in the playoffs. You might as well rest him and let him heal up 100%. I will absolutely pay him that
1: ridiculous salary for a year to sit (laughs) his butt, take our higher
2: draft pick, put some more tools
1: around him, and come out firing next year. Listen, fuck Andrew Luck. Who cares? I think we can beat the Colts. I hope we beat them twice. I don't care who's on the field, whether he's there or not. I want to win that game. Um, but again, if we were to sweep the division with six wins right there, we have a pretty light schedule. Um, I mean, yeah, there's some tough games on there, but San Fran's on there. L.A. Rams are on there. Dolphins are on there. We can win these games. It's, it's yeah, not. That's nine right there. <laughs> the Browns, 10. There you go. I don't <laughs> like, know about the Browns, man. I, I can't write off the Browns anymore. Deshaun Kaiser's not beating us, man. But we have proven that we can shit the bed against the anybody. That's true. Any given Sunday. That's that's a great point. But any, um, any given Sunday, we're willing to come out there and just not even fucking try.
0: <laughs> Look hey, at the Bears it, game last year. We almost let them come back. So. And, and
2: then the Jaguars game.
0: Yeah, yeah, shut let's up! Let's not all right. even talk about that one. <laughs> we don't even like, let's not even bring that one up, man.
2: But my whole point is, is I'm hoping this. That our team is matured enough that we don't have those lows that we had last year. If we will level out and not worry about the ups and downs, there's no reason we can't win 10. But I'm just, I think we end up dropping one for no good reason other than just we we're feeling too good about ourselves or we didn't take them seriously. We'll see, man. Until proven otherwise.
0: Absolutely guys, uh, that's about all the show that we have though, uh, be sure to check out that GoFundMe, it'll be on our Facebook and our Twitter to help out that young family, you can find all of us on uh, Facebook and Twitter, you can find the show on Facebook and Twitter as well, so definitely go you know, uh, like the page um, and go like us on Twitter, follow us on Twitter. Uh, thanks to everybody. I'm mean, super. I know all three of us very excited to finally get into the season, finally be able to talk about you know real games that actually mean something. Starting off with a big one here, um, you know. But like you heard tonight, two of us think that there's that we're gonna get wins. One of us is on the edge, but I think that uh, we have the team that is capable of winning. We just have to go out and do it. But as each and every week, I always say, let's go, let's tighten up, and let's get this first win, baby.
2: Could not be happier to be wrong if I am. Tighten up.
1: Fuck you, Glenn. Tighten up. Thanks for listening to the Two-Tone Uncensored podcast. You can listen to the show at twotoneuncensored.podbean.com
0: or by downloading the Podbean app on your mobile device. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at 2 and like us on Facebook.